Hi, everyone. Dr. B here again. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Ask the Dentist. Today, we're going to talk about something that I think is a little bit scary. It certainly strikes fear into the hearts of dentists, and I'll explain why. It is enamel hypoplasia. Perhaps you've never heard about that, but I think once you hear me describe it, you may also be a little anxious just thinking about it. If your child doesn't have it, you're good and you should be thankful. I do see a lot of this. For this episode, I did consult with a pediatric dentist, my friend and colleague, Dr. Stacy, up in Portland to get her perspective. We've actually talked about, and here's the topic, enamel hypoplasia. That's what the question will be about on a six-month-old. Stacy and I have talked about this often, and you know what? We're seeing a lot more of it. Stacy thinks it's at 80% now, 80% of the time when a tooth erupts, she will see a small decalcification, some hypoplasia. I'll explain to you what that is in a minute. That's a lot. And 35 years ago, when I was a dentist seeing kids, I wasn't seeing it. I mean, I, I was seeing it at maybe 10 to 20%. And, and I agree, I've, I'm seeing it a lot more as well. And I don't see as many children as Stacy does. She's a pediatric dentist. But anyway, so I'm going to combine what she said with what I say about enamel hypoplasia, and then we'll try and get to the root cause of it, as we usually do, hopefully, and we'll come up with some solutions for it. And I think it's important to understand as a patient what it means to us as dentists and why we fear it so much. And and maybe that'll motivate you to catch it early if you're not bringing your child in at one or two months old, which I would recommend. I mean, actually, right before or at the time that the teeth erupt, that could be at five or six months, seven months. And so that this gets caught early and, and that, you know, extra care is needed. More visits are needed. Otherwise, the, the restorations on these teeth, baby teeth and adult teeth, tend to get much larger and, and can get out of control and, and as well costly. So anyway, I'm going to let, I think it's Raquel, I'm going to let Raquel ask her question and then we're going to get into everything about hypoplasia, kind of talk about it, go upstream, figure out what really causes this if we know, and there are a lot of possibilities, some old, some new, based on our changing environment. I think you'll find that interesting and it's important to know all this as we have our children and, you know, we definitely want to protect them as much as we possibly can. So this is going to be a, an important episode. Here's Raquel. It's a great question. Hi, Dr. B. My six-year-old daughter just had her six-month checkup at the dentist and it was discovered that she has enamel hypoplasia on her adult molar. I just wanted to see if you had any suggestions on improving that or if it's possible to reverse that in any way or just anything we can do to help it. Thank you so much. Raquel, thank you for that question. So let me give you some background first on enamel hypoplasia. As many of us know, enamel is the hard outer protective layer of the tooth. It's the hardest substance in the body. It's made up of calcium and other minerals. And hypo, meaning less or too little, plasia, growth, development, means that when the tooth is formed, the enamel is incorrectly formed or not formed to its full potential. That's essentially what it means if you look at the Latin you know, root of that word, hypoplasia. It's a defect of the enamel, seen often. I'll talk more about that more often now than just 20, 30 years ago. It occurs while the tooth is forming. And while the tooth is forming, we don't see that because it's inside the jawbone underneath the gum. That's when the teeth form. The enamel organ 
literally forms the tooth. That's the pulp tissue that I've been referring to with blood vessels and nerves, neuronal tissue, mesenchymal tissue. That enamel organ forms the tooth, and typically it forms a perfect tooth. Each tooth is slightly different between people. Tooth anatomy varies a little bit, but a molar is a molar. A premolar is a premolar. They're pretty unique to each other. And But that enamel, when the enamel organ isn't doing what it's supposed to, and I'll talk about why, it will sometimes lay down imperfect enamel. And that's the hypoplasia. That's kind of a general term. They're more specific terms of why it's hypoplastic. The visual signs of enamel hypoplasia, white spots, brown spots, yellowish spots, chalky areas, irregular margins. The pits and grooves look fuzzy. They don't look shiny in the way a tooth should look. Mottled is a term we use, crumbly. And it's scary to us because it's not a typical cavity. And typical cavities occur in typical areas, in the grooves, in between the teeth. Hypoplasia can randomly form anywhere. And sometimes it's in an area that we can't get to or access is difficult as a dentist. And that's why we start sweating when we see hypoplasia. It reminds us of decay that occurs in someone who's anorexic, a lot of stomach acids in the mouth, and the right at the gum line and below the gum line, the enamel is just literally dissolving. It becomes chalky, very soft to the touch. Uh, it's not hard, and it's very undermining. And it means root canals and crowns in, in extreme cases. So similar. But in your case, it's your daughter. It's a six-year molar. So that's her first adult molar that just came in. And the dentist said, oh my goodness, you've got some hypoplasia. And that's that little white or yellowish kind of fuzzy area. And it's usually at the gum line, but it can actually be on the occlusal surfaces. It just depends. As the enamel organ is making the tooth underneath the gum, there will be a moment, whether it's short or long, where the enamel organ is not able to do its job. And it's kind of like tree rings. When you cut a tree in half and you, you can study the tree rings, you know when the tree those growth patterns, cycles, uh, you know when it's had a tough year, like a drought year or a good year based on the uh, the size of the ring. So it's it's kind of like that. It it, it tells you, and, and sometimes we can even tell the patient at what age this happened based on where the hypoplasia is. So, so some of the signs of enamel hypoplasia are pretty obvious. I've talked about that already. You can see it. And again, only when the tooth erupts, and sometimes it can be difficult to detect because it's on the tooth and it's underneath the gum line. And sometimes that appears on the x-ray. So thin enamel can, in that area can lead to pits on the smooth enamel surface, tiny grooves or deeper grooves than usual or grooves that have opened up. They didn't cleave together properly. It's kind of two lobes of enamel that form, and that's what the groove is. It's where those two lobes join. That didn't join properly, so it's open. Fissures, white spots, yellowish brown stains. Sometimes no enamel has formed, and you can see a little pot. We call it like a little pothole where you can see the dentin. The kids will have sensitivity to heat and cold because the enamel is thin or not non-existent in that area. So there's lack of that insulation, lack of tooth contact with the opposing tooth. It comes in many different forms. You're also very susceptible to acidic foods. They will make your teeth hurt. You could, in those groovy, irregular areas, you could retain a lot of harmful bacteria and plaque. In other words, it already is demineralized tooth structure, but it could lead to a deeper cavity because it's collecting 
a lot of plaque. So these are all, again, increased vulnerability to tooth decay and cavities. I think I already said that. But these are all things that can happen if you have enamel hypoplasia. Again, dentists sweat when they see this because they know the implication. And of course, you know, we want the best for our patients. Uh, so it does scare us. So what causes it? Let me go through the list that you would see in a dental textbook, and then I'll tell you what Dr. Stacy, what I think, what a lot of other dentists think, where it comes from. I'm going to expand the list a little bit. Again, what you see in a textbook is not always what's current because, you know, the clinical sciences are always ahead of what's written in a textbook. So what causes it? So this is defective enamel development. It's not necessarily a cavity. In other words, it's not trauma, although there is a trauma element to this, and I'll talk about that. But so it's it, the enamel didn't develop, and this can result as a result of an inherited condition called ameliogenesis imperfecta. Again, Latin for imperfect enamel genesis or formation. It can be congenital enamel hypoplasia. This affects one in 14,000 people. Not a lot. I think it's more than that, but that's the textbook answer. And this condition can also cause unusually small teeth. Again, they're not fully formed and a variety of other dental problems. Congenital enamel hypoplasia. It can happen alone or as part of a syndrome affecting other parts of the body. Let me just give you a quick list. It's probably not complete, but there are hereditary syndromes that can cause enamel hypoplasia. And they are the Usher syndrome, Seckel syndrome. There's an Ellis van Creveld syndrome, Treacher Collins that's pretty common. I've actually seen Treacher Collins syndrome. I have a patient with that. Odontodental syndrome. There's a 22Q11 deletion syndrome. I've not seen that. That's the velocardiofacial syndrome, I think. There's a Heimler syndrome. So those are some of the genetic things that are linked with this hypoplasia. And, and again, when you see an imperfect tooth formation, that should alert the dentist to other than, oh, there's something that I need to fill and prevent from spreading. I need to preserve tooth structure and restore the tooth. There should also be another response, and that is oh, something else. It could, there's something else could be present in your child, and it needs to be examined, maybe a medical referral. Other causes. These are the ones that are more common. Maternal vitamin D deficiency. Very common, I think. Moms are under... They're under a lot of stress and they're not necessarily eating well. Malnutrition is, is, is common, let's face it, even in this country. So th this is a prenatal issue. Also maternal weight gain. We see that with enamel hypoplasia, maternal smoking, maternal drug use, lack of prenatal care, and premature birth or low weight, which probably is related to gum disease, which is kind of a cytokine response, inflammatory response. So these are all factors that could be affecting that enamel organ in the child, even after the fact, even after the child is born. And a lot of the baby teeth, the buds are already present in the fetus. So there, there is correlation there. Uh, there are environmental factors, as you would suspect. I'm always talking about the epigenetics of the situation. That's what this is. Uh, can be, and that would include trauma to the teeth. My middle daughter had a little white spot on her adult central, and that happened after a dog bit her in the face. Thank goodness there was no soft tissue injury. It was just the dog's tooth hit her tooth and chipped it. And then when the adult tooth came in, 
there was a little trauma to that tooth. And that portion of the tooth was forming when she had that mechanical trauma. So there's a link there. It could be physical trauma. Infection, certainly calcium deficiency, definitely, but other minerals as well. Our world is devoid. Our environment is devoid of minerals or, or we have less of it. Our soil has been leached of, of minerals um, and we definitely need these minerals. Minerals are so important in so many different ways as well as for tooth formation. Deficiencies of, of vitamin A, C, D, and K2. K2 is not in our diet. K2 is, you've heard me talk about that a lot. It's the wonder supplement for tooth formation. K2 is present in a paleo diet, lots of butter and meat and fermented beans. And all of that is, is so important. Organ meats and without vitamin K2 present in our system, the calcium doesn't really get laid down properly. It may run around in our system, in our blood supply, even if we're getting enough calcium, but it doesn't get deposited correctly. So vitamin K2 is also very important. And again, there's synergy between K2, A, and D as well, that triad. Uh, jaundice, liver disease, um, celiac disease. There's a lot of stuff on the internet about celiac disease and hypoplasia. Interesting connections, very complicated, not discussed often enough, unfortunately. And again, celiac disease is on the rise. And then cerebral palsy due to maternal or fetal infection. So these are all reasons for this condition, enamel hypoplasia. And now let's talk about some things that I think we should talk about that you wouldn't necessarily see in a dental textbook or even on the web, like the, the, the gut microbiome. I've talked a little bit about lack of minerals, but lack of minerals in our diet because of the, our modern diet. Again, the K2 aspect of it as well. These are all things that you know really aren't on the list. I, I kind of added them to that list, some of it, but but these are all these are all environmental factors that have been changing over the years. And it's so hard to see a mom who's breastfed, who's given birth vaginally, you know, the kids gotten that oral microbiome by passing through the the birth channel, the birth uh, canal, and then the teeth erupt and it looks like there's decay on the teeth. It is like decay. It's a demineralization, but it's due to poor formation or lack of formation. And that is so discouraging. I've seen some moms just break down and literally cry right there in front of their child. And so that that is unfortunate. So a lot of this is prenatal care and perinatal care. Again, proper diet before, prenatal vitamins and a good diet and a stress-free pregnancy. And unfortunately, We've lost that somehow. Women are working. They choose to do so or, or they have no choice to do so and they're not resting and not, you know, if you work all day long and you come home, it's hard to make yourself the, the correct meal and take in the right, the right nutrition. So, so maybe that's an aspect of it and maybe that's why we're seeing a rise of it, a rise in this condition, enamel hypoplasia. And here's the, the last thing I wanted to bring up, fluoride. So, you know, I was just reading about this today, and I think most dentists forget, we really don't know the mechanism of how fluoride works. That's scary, right? We know that topically, it can make the tooth a little harder, a little bit more resistant to acid attacks. It's not a perfect surface. Hydroxyapatite is a better surface when the tooth remineralizes. But fluoride's been around a long time. Kids are ingesting it. Moms are ingesting it. It gets to the baby. 
past the placental barrier. It actually gets to the baby's brain or the infant's brain or the fetus's brain. Fluoride is everywhere. So fluoride was introduced in the 20s and officially in water supplies in the late 50s, early 60s. And maybe we're seeing a delayed reaction now. Maybe we're seeing more hypoplasia due to what we call fluorosis. Is fluorosis the exact same thing as hypoplasia? I'm not saying that. A lot of dentists would disagree with me on that, and, and I agree with that concept. What I'm and because fluorosis is also a modeling or discoloration of the tooth, but the two lesions are slightly different. The hypoplasia looks like something didn't grow, and too much fluoride fluorosis is a the tooth organ grew the enamel properly, not properly, but it grew it. It was it was active, it was working, but it incorporated fluoride into the structure that it laid down. And so it has a different look to it. So there are differences there. But but I do think, and a lot of other functional dentists do think, that fluoride has something to do with the increase in incidence of enamel hypoplasia. And before I forget, there is one other condition that can cause this I don't know if any of you remember rickets, but there is another possible explanation for pitted irregular tooth enamel, and that is vitamin D metabolism. I mentioned vitamin D earlier, but this is a little bit more specific. Vitamin D, which prevents proper absorption of calcium if you don't have enough of it. This can occur due to a nutritional deficiency of vitamin D. It's an X-linked dominant disorder known as vitamin D resistant rickets. And this condition prevents the normal uptake of the inorganic phosphate, calcium phosphate, which is the building block of a tooth. And this is required for normal dental and skeletal development. So there could be a, a connection there, correlation. And enamel hypoplasia can also be caused by chronic kidney failure at the time of tooth development. Also, one last thing I'm going to add, I always ask patients based on when I see the tooth and I see an irregularity in the tooth and I can pretty much guess at what time that was forming, within months, not days, I will ask the mother, and you'd be surprised, the mother has an answer, did the child have a very high fever at that point in time? And typically the answer is, oh my God, you're right, that was when, and they'll relate it to Christmas or the birth of another child, and they'll go, that's when little Jimmy had this incredible fever, we were so worried, we took him to the hospital, and that's when that tooth was developing. So high fever can also cause amelogenesis imperfecta or hypoplasia. So there you have it. There are a lot of reasons for this. So I think the take-home message here is don't worry where it came from. Don't feel bad. You did everything you possibly could. It is fixable. Yes, you'll see your dentist sweat a little bit. <laughs> That's okay. That's what we're here for. And it can be fixed. But the key is, is early intervention. These lesions get bigger over time. Make sure that your child is being seen by a dentist as soon as the teeth erupt. So when you see a whole bunch of teeth come in, whether they're baby teeth or adult teeth, make that appointment. Even if it's before the six-month interval, it's worth your time. And then that way you can jump on these things. Often the dentist will say, let, let's let it erupt a little bit more, and then we'll make an appointment or we'll make the appointment based on when I think the tooth will be fully erupted, and we will deal with it then. And typically, these will be small plastic fillings, kind of in all the areas where, where the dentist sees these lesions. So that's one way to treat this, and that would be small plastic resin-bonded sealants or fillings. But it needs to be done early on because these, these things do get bigger once they're erupted. As soon as they're exposed to a goldfish cracker diet or you know a typical Western diet, uh, they will grow in size. So definitely get on them early. Your dentist will understand. 
uh, if he doesn't get another dentist, but go in when you and keep checking when the tooth when the tooth erupts, your child will let you know, obviously, take a little fiber optic light, they sell them on Amazon, take a peek, you can buy a dental mirror, yeah, they're plastic, they're disposable, and, and take a peek, get to know your child's mouth, they will thank you for it when they're adults. I'm pretty sure they will. <laughs> That's what you need to do. Uh, if you're pregnant or planning to become pregnant, make sure you're getting good prenatal and perinatal advice. If you have any neurological conditions or any kidney issues, make sure make sure any systemic health issues are are addressed as a mom. That is extremely important. Brush at least twice a day with your child, use a hydroxyapatite-based toothpaste. That's important because it can recalcify some of these lesions. I think you asked in your question, Raquel, that can I reverse some of those? No. If it was a cavity that was decalcified, demineralized, you could probably remineralize it because initially the tooth had the proper formation. But if this is truly a, an issue of hypoplasia where the tooth never grew properly, chances are you cannot recalcify or remineralize that lesion. It's possible and you could try it, but I would not get your hopes up because it's t it's a different situation. The tooth structure is actually different in that area. It's better to intervene right away. You know, these baby teeth are hard to get numb, but it's still worth getting in there sooner rather than later and doing small fillings rather than big fillings. And hopefully they're just a few. I've never seen more than two, three, four, I think maybe five lesions in, in one mouth. So that uh, that should be comforting. And so that can be fixed in one visit or at least two visits. So again, early intervention, early recognition of this is so important. So again, brushing, hydroxyapatite toothpaste, keep sugary and acidic foods away from the child, especially if the enamel is thin in certain areas, and then see your dentist on a regular basis and even more than on a regular basis. Check out those teeth as they erupt. So that, I hope, answers your question, Raquel. Don't sweat it. Just get professional advice. Sounds like you have been, and hopefully you've already made that appointment and you're all over that. The fact that one molar had it, check for the other molars and in any other teeth that are erupting, it's possible that it may be there as well. So that's the lowdown on enamel hypoplasia. A lot of root causes there, and if the only response you're getting from your dentist is, oh, there's a little hypoplastic lesion there, let's fill it. I suggest you ask for more information or find another dentist, perhaps a functionally minded dentist, because as you've heard me just say, there are a lot of other things to look for and a lot of implications and not correlations, but connections to other diseases and conditions. And if you're having more children, you'll have a chance to correct that. Again, the enamel organ not being able to do its job properly is an indication of something that's happened systemically. Again, there's that oral systemic connection but in reverse. It, it's a two-way bridge. It's back and forth. What happens in the mouth can affect what, what happens in the, in the body and vice versa. What happens in the body is going to affect, for example, the formation of teeth. And this is this connection that we've been disconnected on for so long, this schism between dentistry and medicine. It's unfortunate. And they really, dental students and medical students should all be educated under the same roof. But I understand there's some impractical aspects to that. But you know where I'm going with this. There's that connection, and we need to look at the body as one big organism, not just separate little 
black boxes or, you know, or practice in a vacuum where a dentist is just looking at the mouth, a physician is just looking at certain parts of the body. So anyway, I will stop there. You know that functional rant. You've heard me do it before. Definitely seek out a functional dentist. We have a list of functional dentists. If you have one in your area, I'm sure they'll be on our list here. Go to askthedentist.com slash directory. If you have any other questions about teeth in general, oral health, go to askthedentist.com. That is our main website. And uh, if you have a question, anything, please let me know. I, I love answering your questions. Again, hearing you ask them is important. Go to speakpipe.com slash askthedentist. Again, Raquel, thank you for asking that. I hope this helps a lot of moms and dads and children. It's good to know what that little white spot is on that tooth. It has big, big implications. See you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Love you all. And I, again, thank you so much for listening. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com directory and search or find a dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, is a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.